So we're going to keep going. This is our last week in our, in our uh, sermon series here on prayer. And we've been talking for the last four weeks about prayer in, in, um, in a very ordinary way. We wanted to kind of take prayer um, from this kind of untouchable area because we don't believe that's what it is. I mean, you know, we, we don't believe that you have to have, even what we did here, this is, this is God's commissioning. It's not about what we did. Uh, it's us responding to that. And so we believe that prayer is just joining in conversation with God. It just means talking to God. And we've said it for four weeks now. There's not certain words you got to say. There's not certain positions you have to be in. Matter of fact, I love the song that Dan chose today for us to worship. Stand, kneel, bow. I mean, there are all kinds of ways you can be praying like that in your life. And it doesn't have, it's, it's not for public spectacle. It's, it's, you know, the most, the most profound prayers happen in our prayer. In, they, you know, we call them closets, prayer closets, right? In, in these quiet places where nobody knows but your father who made you. That's the place of prayer. We can pray publicly. We can pray together. But, um, but our whole aim with this series was to invite the church of Jesus to pray more, to talk to God. And I hope that you've been doing that. I hope that in the weeks that we've had before, you've maybe thought about things in a new way. Maybe you have it. Maybe it's like, oh, I knew all that stuff. But then I hope you've been doing it together. This week, I'm really excited. We're going to wrap up the series. But there was something that, uh, this profound that we hear from Jesus, and I'm going to share it with you later, about what prayer does in our lives. But today, I'm going to invite you, as we always do, to enter into prayer as we enter into the Word of God. We believe this is the holy inspired Word of God. We believe the Holy Spirit allows us to discern what it says, right? So God is working in and through Scripture all the time. And so I'm going to invite you to pray as we enter into the Word today. Join me if you would. Uh, Father, today we come confessing that our minds are finite and limited. We can't even grasp some of the revelation you have for us. And yet today we ask that we would tune ourselves specifically to your voice that today, right now, all the noise would just kind of be pushed away and we could hear you, maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, speak to your servants. We love you so much and we'll wait for you until you speak. We pray that you will do that in your time and by the will of your spirit. And we love you and thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to actually go, jump right in the scripture this morning. It's a really quick um, verse here, but open your Bibles. If you didn't bring one, we have them on the end of your rows. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. That's three verses of scripture. Sounds like a lot. I'll give you a minute to turn there. And uh, I'm going to give you just a second to turn there, and I'm going to read it with you. This comes at the end of the letter that Paul writes to the church in uh, Thessalonica, I believe, Right? And that's why it's called Thessalonians. It's, a, it's written to the people there, not to a building there, but to the people, the church there. And, and this is the way he wraps up his letter. Verse 16 reads like this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's the whole thing. That's three verses of scripture. You want to memorize some scripture, that's a good place to memorize some scripture right there. Three verses. You can impress your friends. Handle hey, three verses of scripture. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, because this is God's will for you 
in Christ Jesus. That's what the Word of God says. And Paul wrote this to the church in Thessalonica as an encouragement at the end of his letter here. Now, there's three simple truths that I want you to hear out here, but we're going to focus on one, and I bet you can guess which one it is, right? But there's three simple thoughts that Paul shares here in the Word. And, and I'm going to walk through them real quick, but we're going to spend some time on the third one. The first is to rejoice always. You know, Paul says rejoice always. I want you to remember that the Apostle Paul was someone who started out persecuting Christians and ended up being a persecuted Christian. And so whenever he says be joyful always, he doesn't mean, you know, put on your happy face. He means have joy in Christ Jesus. As he says at the end, this is the will of your, the Lord in Christ Jesus for you. So, so the first is that we rejoice always as believers in Jesus. That means that there's something in us, this unquenchable spirit of joy. If you've lost your spirit of joy, you've forgotten Jesus. You've forgotten the suffering of Jesus. You've forgotten the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what we believe as a church, that in spite of circumstance, in spite of whatever we're facing, we can be joyful because of Christ and what he has done who he is and what he has done for us. And so the first truth that he says here is, you know, be joyful always. As a matter of fact, in another letter he wrote to the church in Philippi, it's called Philippians, right? He, he ends it like this. He ends the letter and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. If you ever ask somebody to tell you something twice, they're probably serious about this. Another church he writes to and he says, again, I'll tell you, rejoice at all times. Always Rejoice. The second thing that we hear is this, uh, give thanks. It's actually the third thing if you're looking at them in order, but we're going to say it's the second thing today because we're going to talk about the third thing. The second thing is to give thanks in all circumstance. Now, two things I want to bring up to, to your attention. The first is this week is a week of thanks. All right, yeah, Thanksgiving. And so this is a week, if there's not any other week of the year you can remember to give thanks, this week you should have a reminder all oh, about Thursday, 6 o'clock. Give thanks, okay? That when you're sitting around that table and, and whatever circumstances you find yourself in, I don't want to always point to the Norman Rockwell thing where you got, you know, mom and dad and the kids and all that and you're gathered around. Maybe it's a turkey dinner on a, on, a, on a TV tray in front of the box, but I pray that the time you'll remember that Paul says, always give thanks. Always give thanks. If no other time... Remember this week. The second thing I wanted to bring your attention is we're going to talk about that later in the service, giving thanks in all circumstance. And the third thing that Paul says here is to pray continually. Pray continually. And, and this is the kind of the focus of the last week. It's called, we call the sermon, uh, the message today, unlimited minutes, right? There's no restriction to how often and how much we can pray. God doesn't put us on a timer and say that's all you get. God's not a genie in a bottle and say you get three wishes, and you can't wish for more wishes. Okay? This is the God who has died to be in a relationship with you, who gave his only son so you could speak to him. And believe me, he wants to talk. There's no restriction on how much we should pray. And the Apostle Paul here says, pray continually. Pray continually. Now, I want to spend some time on this one verse if, if you can't memorize all three, fifth, five, uh, 16 through 18, you memorize 5, 17. Pray continuously. Two words. Memorize scripture. In everything that we do, we can pray continually. That's what Paul says. What is a prayer? Not a prayer, 
right? But a prayer. What does a prayer look like? The word of God, the Greek here says it's someone who is bent towards God, who is bent towards the things of God. The conversation is bent toward God. The word literally means toward and making wishes to God. There's lots of things that you might hope for or aspire to, but a prayer is unique in that you don't aspire to it alone. You bend yourself toward God. I one time was at a, at a retreat, and there was a, a person who was presenting this idea to me. It was the first time I had heard it, and he talked about sin being bentness. Now, he would say, when you bend yourself toward God, you're being straightened. He said, imagine you have a hole in the concrete, and you have a piece of pipe or steel stuck in there, and it's been maligned. It's been forced over here, and it's not doing what it's supposed to do. It was designed to be straight and stand upright, and this was the normal orientation and in sin we have this bentness away from God and what prayer becomes is this rebending of ourselves toward him talk about what it looks like sometimes the prayer looks like you're on your face sometimes the prayer looks like you're standing up with both hands in the air it doesn't matter what your physical position is. It's your heart being bent back towards the things of God. It's, it's his primary work in our lives. Return to me, my people, God says. And one of the ways we return to him all the time is praying. A prayer is someone who is bent toward God. So when we pray, when Paul says pray continuously, he means always be bending yourself towards God. Sometimes you've got to tippy-toe. Sometimes you've got to get down low. But whatever you do, be attentive to the things of God in your life. Pray continuously. Simple instructions Paul gives the church. The second word here. We have, if you're reading one of our Bibles, it says continuously. Now, some of you might have uh, the NASB or something like that, and it probably says without ceasing, right? You ever heard of like a cease and desist letter? You know what that means? Have you ever sent out a cease and desist letter to somebody? It means just stop. Just stop doing it. And so here, Paul, this is kind of translated into the affirmative continuously. Paul says, when you pray, never stop. That's what the Greek says. It actually says, don't stop. Don't withdraw from prayer. That means you're always entered into prayer all the time. Without, seek, without ceasing means to, to um, uh, not leave it behind, to not forsake prayer. Do you believe, as someone who is seeking God, as someone who wants to know God, that by not talking to him, you're forsaking conversation? Well, God, I want you in my life. I want you, especially when I need something, but the rest of the time, I don't really want you. Paul says, no, never cease praying. Never cease being before God. As a matter of fact, earlier in the same book, 
Paul says this. He says in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. You don't have to look it up. Just, just hear it with me. He says the same word for without ceasing. He says this. I, I, I um, never stop remembering before God your work of faith, your labor of love, and your endurance of hope. When he opens the letter, Paul says, I never stop remembering these things before God. I never stop remembering these things, church. Later on in chapter 2, he uses the same word. And he says, I never stop, listen, thanking God that when you received the word of God, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but the very word of God, which is now performing its work in all of you who believe. He says, I'm thankful before God all the time. I never stop giving thanks that when you received God's word, you didn't receive it as a wise thing a guy said, but as the revelation of God in your life. And now it's working. So Paul says, pray without ceasing. Never stop praying, right? Now this is something easy to say. You've probably heard it said. That's what came to mind when I thought of this unlimited minutes idea. You never stop. Always pray. Never stop. So I'm wondering, like, what, why don't we want to do that? You know, why don't we just always want to pray, 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 right? And uh, is there any concerns? And I know for me, I don't know about for you, but for me, one of the things is I thought, man, God must get tired of hearing from us. He must just be like, really? And what came to mind, I don't know if you've, uh, you've probably seen this movie, but what came to mind was this scene from a movie you've probably seen called Bruce Almighty. Welcome to the Revelation Superhighway. We bless, no mess. Downloading now. It's <laughs> good. It's good. This is gonna take a while. One million five hundred twenty-seven thousand five hundred and three prayer requests. Imagine that. God says yes to all. My favorite line there is whenever he goes, what a bunch of whiners. <laughs> you know, do you ever feel like you want to be that guy before God? Come on, you know. What, that, that movie we were talking about before service today, and there's so many truths to be revealed there um, that, that was just a lot of fun. But we do feel that way. Seriously, doesn't God get tired? Get tired of all the praying all the time. Won't he wear out from our constant praying? Well, I want to t share something with you that comes from Scripture, and it's in the Gospel of Luke. So turn with me, if you would. Uh, our main text was kind of First Thessalonians, but I want to walk through Luke here. Um, it's Luke chapter 18, 
verses 1 through 8. And it gives us some perspective. There we go. It's on 728 of our Bibles, if you have one of ours. And it gives us some perspective from Jesus on what God thinks of constant prayer. Now, I want to remind you in the gospel here, we hear what Jesus spoke as a parable. A parable is a story with a moral. Okay, there's a point to Jesus sharing it. And so just read the scripture with me, and then we'll talk through Jesus' insights on constant prayer. The word says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come wear me out. She won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord, that's Jesus, said this. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on all the earth? Now, this is one of those stories. I don't know if you've heard it before from Scripture. And it's called the um, petitioning widow or the continual widow, whatever, you know. Um, and, and we hear this, and I know a great friend of mine who said, I don't like this passage, kind of like Lance said earlier, because it sounds like we got to beg and beg and beg and beg to get God to give us justice, right? For, for God to have mercy on us. We, we have to keep going and, and complaining and complaining, I want to walk through the story, and then I want to hear what Jesus says is the point of the story he told. And, and the first thing I want to look at here, in a parable, you can always identify the characters in the parable. Who is involved in the story about prayer? About prayer. And the first is the widow. I, I think you probably know this, but in the, in the days, and, and not so much now, but in those days especially, a widow had no right to demand anything. A widow was one without a husband or sons to care for her. She was truly left alone. And so if she needed right, if she needed, um, right judgment, if she needed someone to say she was owed something or deserved something or, or was to be awarded something, she would go to the second character in the story. The second character is the judge. Now, a judge is one who has power to deliver verdicts. He can, in fact, bring justice to the widow. And so these are the two people in this story, the widow who has no standing and this judge who has all this power. One other thing about the judge here is he's really bad at his job. As a matter of fact, God cares a lot about widows and orphans. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And so if there's anything that should be near to a heart of a judge who's judging rightly for God, it would be widows and orphans. So this guy is pretty bad at his job already. And so what happens in the story, I want to walk through it with you. In a certain town, there's a certain judge. That's what the word says. And this judge didn't fear God or care about what people thought of him. Right? Independent thinker, we might say. 
And there was a widow in that town who kept coming with the same plea, grant me justice over my adversary. You know, we sang a song earlier, and I don't know if you get uncomfortable with those words, right? My hope's in you. Don't let my enemy triumph over me. And sometimes we think about this enemy as being like this, you know, whoever you, you come up on your top 10 most desirable people to see get their comeuppance, right? But there are adversaries who are warring against us spiritually. And so this widow comes before the judge. I'm, she's asking for justice. I'm not saying, but that's what's happening for us. And she's begging for justice. She's asking repeatedly for justice. She keeps on coming and coming to him. She will not be refused. So she comes to him, and, and at the end here, it says, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, I feel like he said, fine, 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 fine. I'll, I'll, I'll bring justice to you. Not because I fear God, and not because I care about people, but because this widow keeps bothering me. It actually, the word actually says, she keeps beating on me. She keeps petitioning me. As a matter of fact, the next thing it says is, I will see that she gets her justice so she won't eventually, what to say, wear me out with her coming. You know what the Greek, my new favorite Greek word, I won't bore you with the actual word is. It actually says, I'm going to give her justice because eventually she'll give me a black eye. That's what it says. Eventually she's going to go, mm, right there. Oh, what would be a problem? Can you imagine a judge getting a black eye from a widow because he won't deliver justice? In this culture where his job is to take care of her. And he says, eventually, she's going to give me a black eye. A black eye before everybody, God and men, himself. And in this way, this widow gets justice. She keeps coming and coming. And so, that's the who and the what. Well, the question is the why. Why did Jesus tell this story? Why would he tell a story like this? I'll show you two places I see the point of the story. The first is in verse 8. I'll remind you, by the way, that Jesus says about God, he's not a bad judge, right? We act as though we're standing before God, petitioning repeatedly, and he's just going to have to eventually get sick of our asking and, and, and have his way in our lives. Listen, if you turn to God with a repentant heart and you say, God, I, I, I need to know you, reveal yourself, show me the way. Talk about prayer being ordinary stuff. I remember one time, I may have shared this with some of you before, but I remember one time I was at a stoplight and I was a non-believer, a non-believer. God don't have to listen to me. And the spirit compelled me to, to see something that I was so infuriated by because it was some of this Christian stuff. And I said, oh, I wish I could believe, but I was joking. And I believe God's Holy Spirit took that and just bundled it up and took it right to the throne and said, let's do that. Oh, Lord, I wish I could see you. But we're only half serious. I believe God's spirit takes that and brings it to the throne of the kingdom of heaven and says, let's do that. Let's show ourselves to them. In this way, this widow keeps coming and coming. And God says, your God is not unjust like that bad judge. Even he brought justice. In verse 8, I tell you that he, I tell you, he will see, God will see that those who petition him 
get justice and quickly, the word says. But Jesus has a question. When I come, will there be anyone faithful left? Verse 1, chapter 18. Jesus told the parable to his disciples. These are those following him to show them that they should always pray and never quit. Jesus says, always pray and never quit. Standing before the throne of God. And so if you ever thought like me, you know, God's just going to get sick of it. He's going to be like, ah, oh, I've heard the same prayer from you for years. You know, show me what you want today. Show me your way to whatever your, the prayers of your songs. And Jesus says, no, always petition the Father. And never, ever stop praying. Never quit. I told you I would share something with you about the power of prayer in our life. Um, uh, the word here actually says when, when you, you should always pray and never give up. It means if, if you're, you'll be bolstered through prayer. Does any of you lack anything he should ask? You, you'll be strengthened in prayer. You'll be empowered in prayer. It doesn't just mean you won't have to walk away of your own power. It means if you always pray, you'll never quit. God will keep raising up in you this joy, this thanksgiving, and this prayer. And so that's, that's the stories I want to share with you this week from Scripture. The first is from Paul. By the way, God had a plan for the series. And if you've not noticed the pattern, I see the pattern now. I didn't see it then. It's been Paul and the Gospel of Luke. God did that. Paul in the Gospel of Luke, showing us, walking us through his word. And today we stop and we realize this. Our call is to keep praying and wait for God. To keep praying and keep trusting God. And so when we, when we talk about what we're, you know, we're going to do, you just, just pray all the time. That's all you got to do is pray all the time, right? Now you guys are eager to do this, aren't you? Yeah. Who said that? You're not eager, are you? You guys are like, oh, brother, I'm going to, you know, like, well, I don't know how you're going to do it. You know, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to wear a robe. I got a robe. Ask my wife. It's, it's, it's in my closet. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to walk around Highland. You got to say hi to me. I'm going to pull the hood down. No, I'm not going to do that stuff. I want to make this, how do you pray all the time? I mean, this is a real question because Paul says pray all the time and Jesus says pray all the time. So how do you pray all the time? How do you do it? I want to share a few things with you today. I want to share with you some practical ways. By the way, the family challenge this week is this very thing. The family challenge is to find ways to talk to God and to do it all the time. Wherever you are, you have the ability to talk to God and do it all the time. Find a way to continue the conversation with God. That's a challenge for the week. So the first thing is this. Um, you can find ways to pray, to talk to God all the time by doing things. Special things that are kind of like holy things. And whenever I was early in my faith walk with Jesus, by the way, he never quits transforming us. He never quits growing us as disciples. I got on this thing called Eastern Orthodoxy. You guys heard of it? And in and, and Eastern Orthodoxy, I wasn't Eastern, Orth Eastern Orthodox, but I got into it. And one of the things they did, I told you I was born and raised Roman Catholic before. They have prayer beads. And so the Eastern Orthodox did this a little differently. And, and one of the things I read um, about practicing the presence, I can't remember what it was called, the road less traveled or something. But, but you would take um, string. I, I like to use Mason's line, actually. And, and uh, I would pray. And I would knot my prayer rope three times like that 
and then you pull it tight. And if you're really focusing on what you're doing, I haven't done this in a while, you can tell. Um, you can actually pray. You can tie them the same distance apart. Okay. And then you end up with this kind of prayer rope. And then you keep tying them in. And you, and you think of holy numbers because those matter, right? Are you guys getting all this? And, and you do another one, do a three here. And, and then after you pray, maybe, I don't know, ten of these together, these knots, then you take your prayer rope and you tie the ends together. And then you walk around with it in your pocket. And you pray. Now, the prayer of the Orthodox wasn't like the prayers of the Roman Catholic. They prayed, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the book I read said that people who practiced this would pray so often, they were so serious about praying continually, that their tongue would never stop moving. They were like that drunk lady at the temple in the Old Testament, but wasn't, she wasn't drunk, who was praying so fervently that the, that the priest thought she was drunk. That, that's how they were doing it. And I started thinking, I'm like, is this going to really work? You know, I, kept, I did it for a while. And I thought, wait a minute. And then, you know, you guys, I shared something with you before about we can put things in our way to pray all the time. You know, we talked about, uh, we had these nails one time that you could put in your pocket, and every time you touch the nail, you remember to pray. Or you put a rock in your pocket. Somebody told me a great story the other week about someone who kept a rock in their pocket in this community, and they were a believer in Jesus, and any time anyone would come up and they would say, you screwed up, they would pull out the rock and hand it to them. Do you know what the reference is? Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. That was something they did. They reminded themselves, I'm a sinner like everybody else. And they would carry that rock around to remember that they're a sinner. You can do things like that. Great. Listen, I want to get much more practical in this because this kind of stuff works for some folks. But you know, it seems so orchestrated. And Paul says, pray all the time. Pray all the time. I got an idea for you. How about on, on certain days of the week... You show up early and you, you bring stuff together. Can you believe that every person sitting in every chair today, that someone came in early and did that? Do you believe that when you do this, it's prayer? Do you, can you do that? I got another one for you. How about this? How about every Sunday, every Sunday, before we get together throughout the week, you actively do something to create a time for worship? Maybe, maybe you do, right? Huh? You can pray all the time. And maybe you sit there alone and you, and you get these and you put them in this little thing of a bobber and you snap it down and you pray. God, whoever touches these today, I pray you would move in their life. Maybe. How many people do that? I got something else. How about this? How about, how, how about something for, for, for uh, the moms and the dads? Some of you dads do this. How about that? Huh? How about every time, instead of just doing laundry in your house, how about when you're doing the laundry, you're praying for your family. You're praying. Maybe people don't have towels. Maybe, maybe there's something in this behavior that you can 
instill with the power of prayer, maybe these, these little things begin to mean something to you. Maybe in ordinary life, you can give thanks to God. The guys are like, I don't do laundry. Check it out. Maybe for the guys, this is a good one, guys. Dan Burns started on a Sunday afternoon ritual thing. Maybe, huh? You know what I'm saying? This is gas powered, baby. Two and a half hours of uninterrupted prayer time with Jesus. You think I'm kidding? Pray. All the time, Paul says. Pray. He meant when you're weed eating, when you're mowing grass. Maybe when you're on the phone, you pray all the time. It's not about holy things that happen in certain places. It's about a holy life lived in Christ. And everything you do can be bent back towards your Father. Everything you do at work and at home, you can just turn it all into an offering of praise and of prayer. I don't know how you can do it. But the goal is to make prayer ordinary. To take it out of the realm of stuff that we do on special times and special days to something that we're always doing. Always doing. Before the one person who made us and who knows us and who can deliver us from everything we face. That's prayer. Now, we've had some cool stuff happening throughout the series. And, and um, a lot of cool things. God's working all the time. And today I'm going to ask um, someone to come up and share with us something that they've had on their heart to do. And then we're going to continue in worship and prayer today. And so I pray as, as you reflect uh, this morning, you would think about that. Think about how can I pray all the time? To get away from the high holy stuff, how can I talk to God all the time? And so I'm going to ask MJ Stahl to come up, Mary Jane, right? And um, she's going to share a gift that she's been given and a prayer. This was God's plan. And what I love is, if you were here the first week, we're going to go right back around to where we started. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be. Thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day 
a daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the What can God do with a willing heart? We're going to do something today that we've we've done uh, forever here and forever in the church of Jesus Christ. It's the first tradition that Jesus himself used, uh, put into motion before his death. And I I know many of you know, but, you know, to me, when we think about uh, communion, it's like this kind of high holy thing, and it is. And yet Jesus gathered together with the people he had poured his life into. And he set a table that was quite ordinary. And he sat around with his, these men he had, and he had poured himself into. And he prepared a place. And I told you earlier we would talk again about giving thanks. The word, you know, we call this communion, Right? And we remember that when Jesus did it, he said, every time you do it, remember me. But he said this before he died on the cross. Every time you eat bread, every time you drink wine, remember me, Jesus said. And he prepared this table. And what the word says that Jesus did is he gave thanks. Eucharisto. You heard called Eucharist. Because in this time of offering, Jesus gave thanks to his Father. Thanks for what was going to happen. Thanks for what had happened. And thanks for justice. Now today, I'm going to invite you, as you feel inclined, to come up and participate in the Lord's table. This isn't our table. We didn't invent it. We can't sustain it. It ain't our idea. We ain't that smart. But it's Jesus' table. And so we're going to invite you today to come up and to share in his table as you feel led. Jesus died to provide this meal for you. That anyone who would believe in his name, receive him, and believe he was raised from the dead, will be saved. Will be saved. And every time we do this, remember Jesus. So today, this is a table of Eucharist. We come and we give thanks to God for whatever comes next.
that we can pray continually. So I'm going to invite you to come up and share communion with us as you feel led. I'm going to do one other thing this morning I want to share with you. We're going to have the leaders of our church come and stand right over here. And this isn't like a special thing except that we're going to pray. And so if you've been wanting prayer, if you desire prayer, if you want someone to just stand and pray with you, we're going to have the leaders come up and we're going to hang out right here. And we're going to receive you and pray with you through whatever you're facing. Everyone else can kind of just filter up this way and receive communion and then kind of roll back around that way so we don't have this kind of traffic issue right here. And today we're going to all experience the Lord's table together. So pray with me if you would. Father, today, as we come into your table, the one that you set for us ahead of time, I pray that we would examine our hearts and examine our minds. And if there are things that we need to come before you on and, and just pray, pray for, that you would compel us to do that and that you would open your table to us that we could receive you. We could remember again the great love that we found in you. We give you praise and glory for everything. Everything, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.